Hey, Wild Black family, this is Vince. I wanted to chat with you just for a moment to do a couple of things. One, wish you happy Black History Month. Two, to remind you that although February is officially Black History Month, you can and should celebrate that every day. It's your history. Three, to quickly explain to you what we're doing this entire month here on Wild Black. I want to start with the fact that we celebrate Black history in almost every podcast, both through our conversation, but also directly through our dope quotes. So we decided this month to celebrate Black History Month a little bit differently. Most of you are familiar with the statement that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. And this month on Wild Black, we want to stretch that statement. So ride with me for a minute. If our parents' generation and our generation have accepted that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams, then being honest, don't we have a responsibility to make sure that the future generations are so powerful, so prepared, so able, and so confident that they in turn become something so awesome that our ancestors and maybe even ourselves can't even fathom? Shouldn't that be our goal? Creating future generations of black people who expand past the limits of what we accept today. If you agree, then I want to welcome you, not to Black History Month, but to Black Future Month. Welcome to our love letter to our ancestors that focuses completely on how we can pour into those behind us to better honor those who came before us. Please sit back, open your mind, and enjoy Black Future Month. Peace. <laughs> we go on the campus, and I get you not, we're taking this photo in our blazers on the Harvard Library steps and there are Asian people touring around the campus and they stop taking photos and they turn and look at us and they are absolutely disgusted. Mm. And you spend this whole time around black people telling you you can do it and getting clapped on the plane and people want to take photos with you and you get there and you remember, oh, I'm not supposed to be here because you forget. You forget when there's a whole a village telling you can do it and you're supposed to be here and you're great and you're smart. And then people look at you and you're like, oh, yeah, you don't think so. And for a second, there's a moment of self-doubt of like, maybe I was just tricked. And mm. that black people don't know what intelligence is and they've been fooling me and they want me to feel good about myself. Mm. And then you win and you remember again. Oh, I was here to prove you wrong. 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 I was here to prove you Ride with us on this all-black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back, people. Before we do what we normally do, um, one of our guests today, Miss Peyton, she wants to sing a song for us as we start. Go ahead, go ahead, Peyton. I believe the children are the future. Sing sort it. of snap. <laughs> Treat them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the jumps and they be Not all the words. Who's that, Whitney? Giving oh. the good sense something. So, if you checked out last week's episode, which was really just an hour ago, you already know what we're doing this week, right? We are... <laughs> It was three hours ago. Three <laughs> <laughs> long. We are talking to and about young, black, and amazing folks doing amazing things. 
And so welcome to episode two of Wild Black Black Future Month. I had to take a second to make sure I got I that. I saw you. You I'm hit t- that one. You I'm hit tired. that one. You've been up since 5'2". <laughs> and we're going to jump into this thing just like, you know, we always do. We, we have some dope guests today. Yep. They are the youth. They are They're graduates of... Do I? They're our youngest guests. They are. Uh-huh. These are the youngest yeah. guests we've had on. Yeah, which is another dope little nugget. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, before I even tell you who they are, let me remind you that what we're doing is we are looking to start the conversation that's going to change the narrative on young black youth. Um, and, and what we've specifically done is outside of just talking to young black youth, our two guests tonight, Peyton and Xavier, um, after their guests for us, they're going to turn right around and take over Wild Black for the next two weeks. They are going to be your hosts. You should not hear from Art or I. You should just hear from them talking to other amazing black youth. And I want to give a quick shout out to remind people that not only are they hosting, but they're doing everything. Uh, 14-year-old Isaiah is our producer for all four of these episodes. He didn't want to get on the mic, but he's taking bows as I speak. But let's let's jump into this thing. Peyton, tell the folks just a little bit about yourself. All right. I'm Peyton Gunner. The I'm singer. A, the singer that you heard, the vocalist. Um, I'm a 17-year-old senior in Atlanta Public Schools. I am an alumni of the Harvard Debate Council Diversity Project, the inaugural class. And now I'm the president. That means of the alum- first. Absolutely. And now I'm the president of the um, Alumni Association. I'm the captain of the debate team at my school and the founder of the Junior Academy debate team. I play the harp and I also participate in theater a lot. So I'm a Jane of all trades and a master of some. Um, I guess that's how I describe myself. Yeah. <laughs> she does it all. That's what she just said to that's you. That's what's up. And Xavier, brother, you tell people a little bit about yourself as well. Hey, everybody. My name is Xavier Schenkel. Um, like Payne, I'm a 17-year-old senior, but I'm in Fulton County down at Banneker High School. And just a little bit about me. I, I have a, a really strong passion for, for business and finance. So you're always going to see me looking at numbers, looking at things, and trying to analyze things. And, and I'm a part of our school's investment club. I'm part of a club called DECA. We do things with like business presentations. So trying to do everything I can to ensure that um, you know, I can stay sharp and be prepared for when I go into that real world. Um, I'm member of the second class of the Hard Debate Council Diversity Project, and I was had the pleasure of serving as senator uh, during the time that uh, that our class was, you know, going through our matriculation to Harvard. And uh, we're the class that went undefeated, the first 5-0 <laughs> ballot. Um, <laughs> all so, right, you know, we, all we right. Like to, we like to take claim to that. Shout out to Keith for doing all, <clears throat> Keith and DJ for doing that great work. Um, yeah, just a little bit about me. Um, excited for college, and um, yeah. Cool. That's well, we cool. are more than grateful to have this young brother and sister on the show with us today and beyond grateful that they're going to take over the hosting duties to really show you what they can do and the magnificence uh, that lives inside of, of black youth. So with that, our brother, you want to take them through the wild black shit? Yeah, but first I want to say, just to add to that, it's, it's pretty dope to have two amazing, actually three amazing young adults um, coming into a production such as this and talking about um, what it is that's important for you all for Black History Month. Um, black futures are are super important. So uh, we just want to give y'all another shout out, a little bit of appreciation. That was, I'm about a, great, to hit that was y'all. a great ad, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm about to hit y'all with some real tough questions. Y'all ready? And, and listeners, no. as we jump <laughs> yeah. in, remember all this work, the questions, the wild black shit, the quote, it's all done. Hey, we're going to let them cuss? We're going to let them say shit? I don't think we should let them say shit. That might be. We're we going to say all stuff. 
Oosh. Even though we know they curse when they're not on the air. But that ain't, that ain't got nothing to do with us. Parents we gonna let them not. do what they want to do. You, you, we'll give them freedom. Listen, if they take too much freedom, y'all come back to art. Vince ain't had nothing <laughs> to do with that. Don't email. Don't DM. It ain't me. Okay. I need y'all to be on y'all best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Y'all we do y'all. We got you. All right. Wild Black shit. <laughs> what was the point of? Right. <laughs> uh-huh. put a little, what was the point I just, of cutting it off? I wanted to give y'all some options. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, if y'all right. want to decide if y'all okay. want to cuss, then, you know, you cut that piece out. All right. Two questions. Get you loosened up. Last question is our signature question. All right. You ready? No. Uh, okay. You re- <laughs> yeah. All right. Your parents told you you have to Are you have ready, the kitchen bro? clean you by ready? the time they got home. And you know black parents don't play with their kitchen. Being honest, you spent all day talking with your friends. Now you got 15 minutes until your parents get home. How are you planning on getting out of this one? This is important because I have children. Mm-hmm. And they supposed to clean the kitchen sometimes. And they be... I need to see what these excuses look like. And yeah. I already got the top one, I think. But let me see where y'all at. Well, I'm ready. Um, I was feeling a little sick when I got home today. So I kind of, I was I was in the restroom. And so the way to get out of it is when they walk in the door, be mid-clean. Working hard. Working hard. Because then it's like, you know, I see you putting in the work. And they might let okay. you off. You know? Okay. You know? That's for, a good one. For me, if I don't pick the, um, the catching mid-clean attempt, then what I'm usually going to do is I'm going to do something 10 times better than cleaning. So I say, um, whether or not I... I Try and start working on a scholarship or start reading a book. <laughs> so wait, wait, no, look, catch, stay with me here, stay with me here. So we talk about talk about cleaning the kitchen, right? So so you come to me, say, what you reading the book for? What you what you doing this for? What you doing? What you you're not cleaning the kitchen, right? So I'm working on a scholarship. What I'm doing right now is helping clean. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Your debt. I like that. Set a cleaner future for yourself. Right? So I'm always going to take this super. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. A higher level above my parents and trying to make them seem a little bit sort of mean and aggressive. And they're like, okay, Xavier, you think about the future. And, and that's that's like the way I'll try to slide out of it. Like, babe, we can't punish him. He, he right. just did us he, a he's he's trying to get future. us out of debt. See? See? And it works. He is responsible. I ain't never had a parent Y'all like crafty. that. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Y'all crafty. Yeah, I got to watch this. I'm most sneaky. If, how, if, how would if, you handle it? I don't know. I, I, I ain't giving my secrets away. <laughs> you, I, they already got their 
already got the plug on the brother, seat. Brother, right now, if, I, if, I, if the wife tells me to clean something and I don't, I'm not giving away how I get out of the situation. I, I ain't setting myself up you like that. You ain't going to help all the other brothers out here in the world. You're going you gonna to keep that one little... Hey, brothers, y'all on your own. See? <laughs> Vinso's stingy. Selfish. Mm-hmm. The That's that right. Is, that is not the wild black way, brother. <laughs> it's not the wild black way. No, you're right. You're right. What I would do... <laughs> I would clean that kitchen on time. No, every time. No, no. See, that's that bullshit. <laughs> of course. Every time. Every time. Like he, like he running a commercial. Every time. Every time on time. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Me and Mr. Clean. I would just put the dishes in the dishwasher. Oh, oh duh. Well, yeah. <laughs> you got 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. You got time. Yeah. You're right. You but you stay clean time. the kitchen. Yeah, the entire. So that means you're, you're Clorox in your, your Listen, sweeping. counters. Everything. All you do is you start with the dishes. <laughs> Okay. That's the first okay. piece. That's the big piece. That's it. That's what they walk in and see. They be like, mm-hmm. oh, he, he put the dishes in the dish. Make it some hmm. mm-hmm. Don't clean nothing else. <laughs> then jump on the scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> and then say, you know, I was going to get all of it, but my stomach wasn't feeling real well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just going to come. You, you taking everybody. bring them all together. Yeah, we, we in this. We, we all a team. He stole everybody's excuse. Mm-hmm. Except mm-hmm. yours. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> see. <laughs> Because I got my job done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm looking for some slow roast. Oh. Turkey. <laughs> Need to get home. All right. Second question. You are forced to cancel one of the following celebrities and remove their accomplishments. Ooh. Mm. A. Beyonce. B. Oprah. C. Barack Obama. D, Michael Jordan. Ooh. Which one would you choose? Can I go first? Aiden? Oh, go for sure. Okay, so out of all of those, I'm removing Michael Jordan. Absolutely. Good answer. Like they do on Family Feud. Good answer. Wow. Why? Do so tell. We talk about how we advance a society as a whole, right? right. So we talk about the, the ways we can do that, the mediums in which we can do that, right? So you gave me three answers. You gave me Obama, Michelle, oh, not even Michelle, Obama, Oprah, and Beyonce, right? Right. So let's talk about Obama. I'm because I'm gonna do the process of elimination real quick. Obama, right. first black president of the United States. I got a poster in my room. On the front is a picture of Barack Obama. On the back is like a list of quotes. And the way I see it, Barack Obama paved the road. To 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 excellence as a black man, right? And I can use the quotes that are on the back to walk down that path. Simple. Barack Obama paved the road, got it done. Look at Oprah. All that money she got. You know, I was in DC the other day, or not even the other day, a few weeks ago, and um, and someone stole the quote from a movie that we're driving past the treasury. He said, "If you look closely, you can see Oprah counting her money in the window." That's oh my god. <laughs> so so when we talk about Oprah's impact, right? The way you change the world, you can be the the smartest man in the world. You can be the 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 you know, the most witty person, you can have all these great inventions, but if you don't have the resources necessary to do so, yes. your impact won't be really felt. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like Oprah, she's in, a, she's in a position, like all of her, like for everything she's done, but the impact of her work can truly be felt because of the resources that she's been able to develop. And she's an example to everybody else. Save your money. Right. Save your money. It's very important. Mm-hmm. And then look at Beyonce. Um, there's a standard of excellence among black women. I think that if we were to remove Beyonce, like who... All these singers, all these aspiring singers, rather, and all these young, these young black girls with all this talent, all these, you know, all these skills. Who are they going to then look up to? Because she sets the standard of, hey, you got to have your own brand, you got to be about your business all day. Okay. And so we look at the, we look at the individual uh, impact of those three individuals. 
and he's bigger than Michael Jordan. And, and I'm not trying to you know, downcast sports or anything like that, but I just feel as if we can learn a lot more from the empirical and hardcore things that those other three individuals have done that we can gain um, from the impact of Michael Jordan. Because all he told you to do was buy his shoes and all he did was change the color every, every few years. And see, that's what I want to get into. Because mm-hmm. I think that you really summed it up. But here's, here's, a, here's the part that I feel is missing right now. Yeah. Sometimes you have to give up a bit of authenticity to have some success, right? right? So Beyonce started off a little whitewashed, mm-hmm. right? Right. Made some songs that everybody could bop to. Obama sold the whole, well, I'm mixed thing. <laughs> right. You know, gain the white and the black vote. Okay, Oprah. Right. She was had to put on her white voice to present in front of the people, right? Right. But eventually all the people came full circle and gave back to their community and pulled yes. up as they as they climbed, right? Yeah. Beyonce dropped lemonade and everybody said, Oh, she's black for real. Have you seen that that comedy sketch and they're like black people are like, Oprah's black I mean, Beyonce's black, I forgot. I remember Yeah, that was good. <laughs> and so I think that they all sacrificed something to open the door for other people. Right. And for and for some reason I feel like Michael Jordan, similar to Kanye West, opened the door for himself and then closed it, like shut it after he got through. And so I feel like he never gave back and that's why he should be canceled. I mean, he's the GOAT. Like I give, I give him that. Right, he's great. Right. But what have you done for others? You talk about contribution to society. Right. Mm-hmm. I got you. Damn, they went hard. All right, I'm tell you one short. thing. Remember how last episode we joked about, you know, maybe we're taking a risk. Our jobs might be in jeopardy around this joint. God, shit, I felt, I felt quite threatened. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. I, and they went out to MJ. MJ is, is like, ah, MJ is a LeBron. <laughs> right. Ooh. That's a little harsh. They were hard on MJ. I feel y'all, though. I like MJ. Mm. Where you at? You you, you, you siding with the... What do you think? I feel bad about Michael Jordan being, being the, the, the one we exed out. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm getting rid of Barack Obama. I'll get your ass. Whoa, 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 whoa. You are getting canceled today. Right now. For clarity, I am kidding. <laughs> Let me say that again. For clarity, these are just jokes. Michael Jordan ass is gone. Third question. What do you love most about life while black? I had an African-American studies professor named Jonathan Gales. And the interesting fact about him is that his mother actually taught my mom at Spelman. I didn't oh. know that, but um, he told me <clears throat> in the class that the secret of being black is that we are human. And I think my favorite part of being lifelong black is that as a black youth, I live in the footsteps and I stand on the shoulders of my black ancestors. And I feel like ancestors and I feel like I get the privilege of knowing that I am human and knowing that I can do absolutely anything and that they had to work so hard and go through so much brutality to get that privilege. And for me to live in it, I I love having the opportunity to showcase that and prove people wrong who think that I can't. Yeah, my, my reason falls along similar lines in that, you know, I just feel it's really great that I can sit here today. It's really the legacy. So it's really good that I can sit here today knowing that everybody behind me worked just so I could talk to you guys, just so I could speak into this microphone. All the suffering, all the protests, all of the marching, all of the work that all of my ancestors did culminated in this point here today. And I don't think any other individual race can say that and, and have more of a positive connotation. Because, you know, some other groups can say it, but, but what did they do to, to achieve those means, right? right? But I know that my ancestors fought with their heart and they fought hard to ensure that I could stand here and, or sit here today, rather. And I think that's what I love most about it. And that everywhere I go, I know that I'm representing the work of hundreds of years of effort. Jesus.
the beauty that came from the brutality, the beauty. really. Beauty, yeah. 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 So we're going to jump into the dope quote. Dope quote anchors the episode. Uh, it's a thematic that you'll hear coming through the episode. And, and I think today's is applicable. I'll read why. I'll read the quote and then I'll, I'll tell you why and get your thoughts on it. I had to make my own living and my own opportunity, but I made it. Don't sit down and wait for the opportunities to come. Get up and make them. Madam C.J. Walker. <clears throat> the reason I chose that quote specifically for this episode and this series is because I think that oftentimes the narrative on our black youth is that they are lazy, removed, mm -hmm. unfocused. And I think the reality is you all specifically have realized the opportunities that you have in front of you and you are aggressive, you are focused, and you are strategic in going after those. So you physically get up and make them. Yes, some mm -hmm. opportunities come easy, some opportunities are given, but not stopping there and going after to create more opportunities and take them when necessary is something that I do think this generation does really, really well, but doesn't necessarily get credit for. And perhaps the reason why is because you all have the opportunity and the blessing to do things slightly different than we did, right? Um, last week, Ms. Britton talked about surviving versus thriving and how the focus for past generations had to be more on survival than what you all get to experience today. And so I want each of you to take just a few seconds and, and tell me what that quote means to you. I'll read it again because I know I've talked a little bit, but I had to make my own living and my own opportunity, but I made it. Don't sit down and wait for the opportunities to come. Get up and make them by Miss Madam C.J. Walker. Well, I think for, for black youth, it, it can essentially be translated into saying that we are not up next, we are up now, mm. right? And saying, you are not up next, you are up now. And what that means is, you know, the common mantra is you don't have a seat at the table, you bring a folding chair, do all these things. You have to be um, ambitious in everything that you do because you need to be able to do it on your own. Because right. you never know whether or not an opportunity is going to come. You never know whether or not somebody's going to give you a helping hand. So being interdependent or being um, being able to do things by yourself and being ambitious with your own goals, I think that's really what what sticks out from that quote from me. Is because if you learn to do it by yourself, right, and you and you, and you learn to to finesse and 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 you know, pull all these strings, then when you get all these resources that come with you know going to maybe college or HBCU and having friends, it'll become that much easier. And you can thrive that much more. Yeah. Um, that quote reminds me a lot of the debates he used to have in class about affirmative action. And a lot of people sometimes see that as like, people are like, sit down and have the opportunity to be great because you're black. And to me, it was always stand up and be great because you're great, because you right. have intrinsic motivation. And that's what that means. Affirmative action isn't, I'm giving you an opportunity because you're black and you suffered. No, it's because because your ancestors have suffered, you get to thrive. You don't have to just survive anymore. I think that's really powerful and a lot of it is Generation Z doesn't get a lot of credit for the movements they start. We can reach yeah. a lot of people with technology. Yes. And I never <clears> understand <throat> why adults are so excited about stifling that because they see it as a distraction. Like the amount of people you can reach about protests against school shootings and police brutality and to just look at it as some kind of like cell phone game is ridiculous to me. I love that you said that. I mean, I think we do a decent job giving credence to it when it happens and it helps Barack Obama to get elected. Right. Right. Or I'm not a Trump fan, but he uses Twitter well. 
right? I don't like what he says, but he has figured out how to push his voice through Twitter and reach a ton of people. And I completely agree that you all do not get enough credit, partially because maybe the, the, pulp, the people criticizing you don't even understand what it is that you're really doing. Cool. Art, you got any thoughts, bro? I think the the it's it is an empowerment <laughs> component, right? Of of knowing where you come from or or from what has created this environment for us to be um effective. And I think the the it's interesting because I'm a technologist, so I, I always kind of gravitate toward technology and the impact that it makes. I think a lot of um individuals who are not as technically savvy don't understand the capabilities and yeah. what the impact that technology that your generation is using and how that impact is going to really change the entire dynamic of the world. And um, your generation commands that very effectively. So I think a lot of people are a little bit nervous, a little bit scared. So when you when you think about power transitioning, that's what I think is occurring in a very slow pace, just simply because individuals that are not in that in that group or that generation are not necessarily gonna just relinquish control that easily. To me, tradition isn't an excuse not to change or yeah. to try to understand though. I think sometimes we use that as an excuse. Like it's always been this way. A man has always married a woman. You know, like I just think that 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 doesn't give you tradition and culture doesn't give you an excuse to not develop with the times. Yeah, the 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 key, a key stake in intelligence is being able to accept a fact, or I'm sorry, rather acknowledge a fact, Adapt. but not accept it, right? And so they can, you know, Peyton's mentioned it. Like they see what we're doing with all these movements and things, they should just shut it right down, right? They don't say, hey, mm -hmm. I, I recognize what you guys are doing. This is great, but, you know, and, and and they can stop right there. And it'd be even better if they went a step further and say, "Hey, let me reshare. How are you doing this? How are you using these modern, these these meetings of of um, meetings of exchange in, in Instagram, Facebook, Twitter? How are you using it to 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 spread to spread the word and spread the word and spread information? That's when they take the next level, and that's when we can get real support um, from from the entire uh, community. Yeah, I think we have opportunities to learn much more from you all than we currently are. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I completely agree. All right. So since we're here to talk about the narrative on black youth and starting the conversation to change it. I'd love to just ask you all, being that black youth that we're focused on, what do you think the current perception of America is regarding black youth? I think it's, you know, it's going to be like a, a very bleak answer. I think people think, people think black youth are lazy and they think that we don't work as hard as everybody else. Um, but in fact, we probably work twice as hard, three times as hard. Um, I mean, Two quick things. Okay, first, I want to talk about the 80-20 rule. I don't know if right. you heard of that. We spend 80% of our time talking about the bad things and 20% of our time talking about the good things. Right. Right. That, that needs to flip 100%. We, we, of course, need to acknowledge the you know, challenges going on, but we have to focus on the good things in our community, and it starts with ourselves. You know, right. what, who, are we, who are we lauding and who are we praising as a black community, as, as black youth? Why, why, are we, why are we praising those people who are skipping school, not coming to class, doing bad things, and why aren't we praising the kids for getting straight A's? And that's a systematic issue that's for a, you know, a bigger conversation on a bigger day. But once we flip that 80-20 rule and we start talking about the positive things and people see how hard we work and what we are really capable of doing in our community, because we're already doing great things, already doing great things, it's just not recognized because we're focusing so much on the bad things. And then secondly, um, we, the, they think we're lazy because 
we were we're put in a system or or a rubric that was not built with us in mind. That wasn't built for us, right? right? And so they judge us, but it's not by standards that sh are shared by both of us. And let, I'm just talk about the SAT for a second. Right. SAT can essentially test linear thinking, right? And say, oh, everybody, everybody should be able to think linearly. Of course, of course, everybody should be able to think linearly. But what's linear about having to deal with not having a dad, a father in your household, having to deal with the lights being out, having to deal with eating one meal, one meal a day, and having to find out how you're going to help your mom pay your next bill? There's nothing linear about that. That's trying to think about a hundred different, hundred thousand different possibilities. And and you know, our minds as black youth, a lot of us, especially those who are impoverished, are trained to think innately different than right. other people. We have to think about a thousand different ways to get out of a situation and the rubric or the scale that's used to judge um, people is not built that way. It's built, hey, little Johnny, what's the answer to this? And of course we can do that, but most of the time we're always going above and beyond having to think of all these different ways out just to make it. And I think that's why the perception of us is, is, is that Ooh, they're lazy, they don't work as hard. We're working 10 times as hard and our minds are going 10 times as fast. It's just you don't recognize it because you don't have the same lens as us. You don't go through the same challenges right. as us. We don't speak the same language. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. wow. I think what that I want to get into is how the black community sees black youth. Because I think you did a really good job talking about how we're seen overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think um, I can only speak from my perspective. And I'm cool. a actually a little hesitant because sometimes I feel excluded or separate right. from black youth because I have the scholar label. Right. I guess I can get into, a little, get into that a little later, but... Um, it feels like black adults or the entirety of the black community really can see the target on you, you know, like they see that people don't see your name. They don't see Xavier or Peyton. They see a black boy and black girl. Even when you're 30, they see black boy and black girl. Yeah. And, um, you know, from when I was little, my mom used to say, you're the bottom of the barrel. You're a black woman. And. Um, you know, to, to my brothers that a police, a police will shoot you just for looking the way you do and keep both hands on the wheel. And you always say, yes, sir. It doesn't matter what you think or what you know is right. You just survive the situation. You survive the altercation. I don't think people understand the toll, like the mental toll that can take on a child. Like white children don't have to grow up like that. Yeah. Like we grow up so fast because it's just protection. It's, it's all they can think of to protect you from how the world sees you. Because they see you as a little baby, but no, nobody else does that. Yeah. And so I think it's surviving as a target when you can't see it, and literally everyone around you can. So That's dope. That's an amazing answer. I want to dive in a little bit more mm. to black America specifically, right? And the perceptions that they have of black youth. Um, and, and the first thing I'll say is, I don't think that adult black America is realistic with ourselves. I don't think we're truthful with ourselves about how we actually feel about the generation. I think that we, will, we will say the right things in public, but I think the reality behind a lot of their thoughts is that all the things that you all have already said, partially because there is, there's a, there's a, there's a communication barrier, right? We don't always speak the same languages. Um, I, I look at the book, um, Five Love Languages, that people use in relationships all the time like, if you're married to someone, you need to be able to speak that love language. I don't think we do a good job of speaking the same love languages from generation to generation. But in that, knowing that you all are typecast and talking specifically by adult black America, what is it that you all can do to begin to break that perception? And just for information, the follow-up question would be, what do you think we need to do as well? 
I think we also don't do a good enough job of communication. Um, I think a lot of the animosity is because black adults think that we don't understand the privilege we have yeah. and the sto- the shoulders that we stand on mm-hmm. and how lucky we are to just exist in whatever space of middle class of <laughs> technology that we exist in. And I we do understand. Like, I, I go to an all-black school. I have all-black friends. I'm a scholar, but I'm, a scholar doesn't belong to white people. And I know that we understand that. I don't think we do a good job of telling our parents, thank you, because you taught me that, and I'm better because of it. I think it's an uncomfortable conversation to have with your parent, truly, about what blackness means. Because your parent passed it on to you, right? Like, you're born with it, sure, but, like, the parent put that burden on you. You know, I didn't ask to be here. I think we could have deeper conversations, and we could be more open to deeper conversations about what blackness really means and healthier conversations about Mm. Well, for me, you know, breaking the typecast, it really starts on the inside because that's what you're essentially casting out to the world, right? And so uh, one of the things I always like to tell, tell people is that, you know, you are the culmination of all the subconscious thoughts that you had that you've had in your entire life. Every decision, right. you are the culmination of all those subconscious thoughts. Because when we talk about something being, being subconscious, right? With conscious is when you, you're knowingly doing it. You're subconsciously breathing. You're subconsciously blinking, right? So... When you train yourself to subconsciously do things like read, like look out for a brother, like say thank you, like, like express gratitude, that's when you start to start to break the mold of what society sees you to be. Because then you're not, you're not, you're not trying to say, oh man, I got to say thank you. I got to do this. You're doing what's naturally built inside of you, right? And so you say, well, well um, you know, typecast is how people view you, right? But once you start to break that mold, then people are necessarily forced to look at you a different way. I think that, um, you know, the best example, I don't know if Peyton also experienced this, when we got on the, on the Harvard campus, we roll up there, playing our music, we're dancing, we're doing all these great things. And I, I, I can assure you the stigma was when we first got into that classroom, um, these kids can't keep up with us. What are they doing here? They, the they disgust. Don't, the disgust. They don't, they don't have faces. the same debate experiences as, as us. But we had been subconsciously trained for 10 months in the Harvard Diversity Project this is what you need to do in debate. This is how you need to, 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 to tackle an opponent. This is how you need to answer a question. This is how you need to talk to be persuasive. And so we talk about breaking a typecast. It's all about what you do on the inside and what you train inside of yourself. Mm. That's how you break it. Because our mm. three pillars are scholarship, leadership, and culture. Mm. A lot of people leave that out. You know, they see like yeah. us in blazers and debating and being scholarly and having all this privilege. And they're just middle class kids. They don't really understand being black. But one of our big pillars is culture. And not being ashamed to be black. And I can wear a blazer, but I can still say ain't. You know, and I can, we can still listen to rap music. And Don't say it around Miss Britton, though. <laughs> we, <laughs> we go on the campus, and I get you not. We're taking this photo in our blazers on the Harvard Library steps. And there are Asian people tr- touring around the campus. And they stop taking photos, and they turn and look at us, and they are absolutely disgusted. Mm. And... You spend this whole time around black people telling you you can do it and get it clapped on the plane and people want to take photos with you and you get there and you remember, oh, I'm not supposed to be here because you forget. Mm. You forget when there's a whole village telling you you can do it and you're supposed to be here and you're great and you're smart. And then people look at you and you're like, oh, yeah, you don't think so. And for a second, there's a moment of self-doubt of like, maybe I was just tricked. And Mm. that black people don't know what intelligence is and they've been fooling me and they want me to feel good about myself. Mm. And then you win and you remember again, oh, 
I'm, I was here to prove you wrong. And I think that's a, a lot of wow. being typecast to wow. have that self-doubt first and be like, okay, yeah, but I'm supposed to be here. You don't get to tell me that I'm not supposed yeah, to. The, the best part of breaking the typecast is when you break the mold and yeah. when you feel all of that joy coming out of you, screaming and laughing and dancing in front of all these people who doubted you at the beginning. That's that's the best part. And that's, that's an insurmountable feeling. feeling uh, I want to I use something you just said, Peyton, to kind of connect this, right? You talked about that moment where that self-doubt creeps in and mm -hmm. you begin to question all the positive reinforcement that you got that led you to this moment. Did they do it out of love or honesty? Right. right. And the point of connection I want to use is, and, and Art, you can weigh on this as well. I know I deal with that at times myself, right? And I think that between our generations, that understanding that this is another point in common, right? As accomplished as I am, there are still moments and conversations that I have with the people that are closest to me when I can say, I, I, sometimes I don't believe when you tell me the positive things about myself. And it's not said to fish for more compliments. Yep. It's, it's said... I truly don't believe you. Right, because it, it gets really, really hard at times. when you And this is not a, a flex or a stunt, but when you hear positive... <laughs> oh, yeah, really? When you hear positivity about yep. yourself too, too much, mm -hmm. something in us, in the programming, from the system that we it's live in, like an doubt. kicks in. Yeah. It's like, are you sure that it, that's Can this real? be true? Right. Like, yeah. Like, like you, you could have you done... The, the most tremendous amount of of mental preparation and work. Right. Right. And and even at our levels of of what you could consider um success, that doubt still creeps in. Yeah. Like it 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 always comes up at some point, right? Where you have to kind of think about it and then rebuild yourself back up. I think it's really dope that you all have an experience that has solidified the the there is no doubt. Like it may pop up. But you have something that is pretty concrete that says, mm, I am the shit. <laughs> I've been the shit for a while. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I had to curse. Yeah. It, it was a it made sense. <laughs> yep. Sorry. I, I think well, I think that segues perfectly into what, you know, um black adults can do to support mm -hmm. you know, yeah. black youth. So we talk about too much positivity, right? Space and what makes spaces like the Hard Diversity Project Classroom so special. And that we don't get none of that. In we there. don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, you, you are constantly challenged, right? So it, even when you, you may do the give the best speech of your life, okay, what's next? Mm. Well, you mess up on this on the pronunciation of this word, or you could have moved your hands differently. And so they're constantly sharpening the tool, constantly sharpening you in every single form and, and, and facet, so that you can you know, you know always be growing. And so that even when you do get all that positivity when we go into the public space. You still know there's something I could be working on. There's, you, not rather there's something I'd be working on. You still know that I'm as sharp as can be. I'm as good as can be. And I'm going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Because, you know, when you get this mindset of someone's always telling you what you can do better, that's on yourself too. What can right. I do better? What can right. I do better? What can I do better? And when you do it yourself, and when you, you like do that stuff like a prerequisite, you go into the public, you, 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 can, you can brush off all of that um, all of that, oh my God, are people, do people really mean what they're saying? And so the challenge becomes for black adults, start to challenge your children. Have, or not even your children, but everybody. Have right. intellectual, intellectual conversation. That's what I love about um, being in that classroom is that we have real content conversation and it's based on like true things. And so when you really have those, those intellectual conversations and you start to always be growing and always be developing your mind, that's how we cultivate this notion of you having that self-confidence. I am the, you know, yeah. I am the... Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not like putting us down either. Mm. Like, I don't feel bad. 
It's just yeah. you you have to learn to jump for the bar. Yeah. Yeah. The bar isn't just gonna be on top right on top of your head because you're black and you happen to be smart and you actually acknowledge it. That's not that's not the bar. The bar is that you're smart and then you use it to do something great. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I think though sometimes we're afraid to put the bar that high because there's so many black kids that never want to acknowledge their intelligence because mm. that's a part of the typecast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But raising that bar is incredible. Based around people who want to jump there. And I think the only thing I want to add on to what uh, black adults can do is to not be afraid for black to have a different definition. Um, do because tell. Do I tell. think we love, we love to put blackness in a box. Yeah. And there are so many variations of blackness, it's almost insane. And there is not one type of black person. I think we did that to protect ourselves and to build community, but it's hindering a lot of people from being authentically who they want to be. And black doesn't have to just be talking and slang and sagging your pants and wearing colored hair and having nails and rapping and... What's poppin', guys? It's Jay Jonah here from Blowing Smoke. If you're a fan of fun, insightful, and breakthrough conversations, then be sure to check out and subscribe to The Blowing Smoke Podcast, a show that covers life experiences and firsthand testimonies from some of your biggest names in your favorite industries. And it's all brought to you exclusively right here by The Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. Or it doesn't have to be just being intelligent, having your hair pressed back and going into interview and code switching. Black can be whatever you want it to be. And that doesn't make you any less black. Nor do I have to define myself with my blackness first and foremost. And I think that black adults have to be more open to leaving that protection bubble right. of like one definition and letting us be open and who we want to be. Yeah. That's what, again, I want to mm-hmm. call out our producer Isaiah, 14-year-old Isaiah, because... These questions are his, and I love how that one question turned into all of that amazing feedback. That was yeah. pretty good. Isaiah, great job on that one, man. There you go, bowing again. <laughs> 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 so l- let me ask yeah. you this. We've talked about amazing stuff already buried inside of excellence. Does your generation feel like they need to ask permission to be excellent? It's not that... It's not that they need to ask permission to be excellent. It's, it's whether or not what they do is accepted as excellent. Mm. Right? So when it, when, it, when it comes down to do they need permission, it goes upon the, the permission givers. We, we talk about in debate, there are, there are words in, in what we call the framework, right? Right. It's not about whether, whether or not the framework is good or not. It's who made the framework and who had the merit to make that framework. Mm. And it becomes the framework of excellence. It just wasn't built for black people. Yeah. It wasn't always done like that. You know, mm-hmm. the, when, when Harriet Tubman started the underground world, that may not have been conceived as excellence by the entirety of the vast no, no, um, vast majority of this nation. When Martin Luther King did it in his time, it may not have been considered excellent. Well, what is this guy doing? Why is he doing all these yeah. crazy things, right? But the standard or the framework has changed over time. And I would say, oh, man, Harriet Tubman's great. Martin Luther King was great, you know? And so the, so now it becomes, well, how do we change the framework for black youth until we, until we start accepting their work as excellence, Right. What do you what do you think that what do you think that is though? Like what how do you think you that is accomplished? Well we start by we start by stopping we have to laud preparedness, right? The future belongs to those who prepare for it today. And I swear, I'll stand at the bus stop and this guy coming to me, what are you doing with an umbrella? What are you, are you trying to hide yourself from rain? Dude. It seems like a joke, but we do that all the time. You know what what is this guy doing reading the book? What is this guy doing? Um, you know, um, what are you? Uh, that was a great, that was a great analogy. 
It was. Right? And so we have to start lauding preparedness in, 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 in every sense because that's when we start to see the standards change. It was within our community, and we do in our community, then it hopefully don't translate over into you know, the broader scheme of things. Right. So when we start lauding people for doing things that they're supposed to be doing, like standard things, that's when we start to change that framework overall. Because once we change it in ourselves, that's, that's just essentially the first step. I don't know. I, I disagree a little. Mm. I don't think that it's about, it's, it's about to change the framework. Right. I don't, like, that's almost impossible. Like, I think it's about building our own and respecting it. Like, right. we, that's the hardest thing black people have. Like, that's the one thing we seem to not be able to do. Or not being willing to do is actually the, the right way to say that. Like, we build, we're like, okay, we're not going to support this business because they have blackface on their, on their stuff. And we're going to buy from this. No, actually. But there's this black business over here that's making their own fashion line. And we can't seem to not wear that brand for two seconds to make this brand better. And then they would get the money and, every, and that we could build our own thing. It's like we, we're incapable or, or unwilling to do that. And so I, I resist the urge to change something that was never made for me and would never be respected as something for me and to just build my own thing. But black people hate, for some reason, they hate the idea of doing that. And I have no idea why. But to the question. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I have to ask permission from my peers to be excellent. Wow. Okay. Um, from my parents, it's like expected of me. You right. know? Get good grades. Hey, and that's that's the goal. You're in this charter school. I could have never imagined being a charter school. I'm third generation college. And I, sometimes it's like, that's good. Like, you're not first generation, but like third generation. There's white people that are like 10. They can't even think about how far back somebody went to college. Yeah, they don't even, they they don't don't even know. They don't even know what generation. generation. Right. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm college because I did, went, I like, did what like, I'm supposed to just do. Yeah, that's that's expected. It. Yeah. Um, I could be the first lawyer, first doctor in my family. It's absolutely insane. And so I think, um, like I'm half my friends didn't even know I was in the Harvard Diversity Project until after I came back from Harvard. I was afraid to tell them because I didn't want to be the try hard. I didn't want to be the nerd. All the labels. All the labels. All those labels that I was afraid to get that white people get awarded for. I was afraid yeah. to tell them. Mm. And so sometimes I feel mm. afraid to be excellent because it's not like we, I'm put, we're putting all this blame on the adults, but really like we we grow into that. We're like, okay, this this is my cast. I got to be in this. This is my mold. And so then we start putting it on, on our friends. And I think, so we have to do a better job too of being like, okay, my parent told me that. That's what they learned. But what do I see? What am I experiencing? And is that the best thing to do? So so what you guys are, or, ladies and gentlemen, what you guys are listening to is one of the greatest debates for between the African-American people for the entirety of our time. Do we try and integrate into a system that wasn't innately built for us, right. or do we try and break off and make our own? And we see the debate between W. B. Du Bois and and uh, Booker T. Washington, yeah. and all all the, all those and Garvey. And Garvey, this debate's been going on for years and years and years and years. And just coming from my perspective, once again, you talk about whether or not it's impossible or not. Going to the moon was impossible, right? What Martin Luther King did was impossible. You know, it starts first with accepting that it can be done. Here's the thing. Harriet Tubman freed a thousand slaves. She could have freed a thousand more if only they recognized that they were slaves. But why? And that, why they, they acknowledge that? that they can break the break the chain. It's not. A, but I'm not saying like I don't want to do it. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to change something white to be black? I don't want that. I don't why? want whatever they built. I don't want that. I want what I want. What I want to make. But why wouldn't you? Try? Okay. So so is that not it? Okay. So we're gonna go on a, on a broader scale. Is that not innately contradictory? to the progress of human society, why would you want to divide and then move forward? I don't know if I'd call colonization progress. I'm sorry? I don't know if I would call colonization progress. Then what do you call it? 
colonization. So, so, I'm, like, I don't, so okay. I'm not going to build off the backs of them who put the backs off my ancestors. Let's go back. Let's go so back. So just discredit all of the work and all the suffering that anyone ever did to try and integrate and move forward and move back. <laughs> the suffering people did so that white people could build a mold that I don't want. So I'm going to use that suffering but is that and not those footprints and those shoulders your, and those ancestors? backs that suffered to build that framework to build my own. Is it not innately disrespectful, though? Because what you're saying is, forget Martin Luther King. Forget all those people. Forget forget all the work they did to try and bring us together and bring us as one nation under God. We're sorry, we're debating. What did I say? We we just said that Martin Luther King wasn't wasn't doing excellence in that framework. So let's take whatever that was and make our own off of his. Real quick, one thing I want to do is I want to point out to the listeners, (laughs) this is a great example because for those of you listening, I guarantee you, the majority of you all felt anxiety when you heard that exchange because you associate debate with arguing, arguing with fighting. We but, love each other, y'all. Yeah. But these <laughs> folks good. in the room, this is what they do. There was no bad blood. There was no animosity. There was an exchange of information yeah, and, and intellectual pushing discussion. of points. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to hear. And the thing that I would love to say is, what they just did is something that we need to be better at. Everything doesn't have to come to blows. You can exchange. And it's not emotional. Right. You can exchange information and make each other better. Yeah. It's, it's not emotional. Other. And yeah. it was authentic. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's rooted in facts. It's rooted in data. It's rooted in it's how you feel and how you see the world. And I, I, I generally, that would turn into something. Right. Outside, my cousins would have been fighting. Yeah, <laughs> they would have been fine. Somebody got hit with a bottle or a chair. And and the thing I love most about it is how do you prove who's right and who's wrong? But the reality is, with is anyone points. right or wrong? No. Yeah, with two great points, right? Because if we act in a monolith and we choose the wrong way, we won't be successful. So I think there's benefit in having people who think hard enough in different ways with the expectation being achieving the same goal. Yeah. Because that's what that's what the conversation is about. Yeah. And, How do we get there? And there has yeah. been openness to it. Yeah. You yeah. know, you mm-hmm. can't be like, well, I got my opinion, you got yours, and I'm not trying to sit here and listen. Sure. You've yeah. got to be able to listen and hear. And, mm-hmm. and so one thing that I'm sure many of you have already forgotten, they're only 17 years old. So just imagine <laughs> when, uh, when adults realize it's time to, like Ms. Britton said, get out of the way, the impact that these young minds can have. And it's not just two of them. It's a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. It's thousands of young black teens, tweens who think and sound and have the ability that the two you just heard in the room do have. But I'm going to get back to this. So I grew up in Mississippi, right? And, And we're talking about excellence. And one of the things that I speak about often that I felt was missing from my upbringing was the ability to truly go out and be excellent. And what I mean by that is, for me, excellence as a 17-year-old in 1994 in Vicksburg, Mississippi, was graduate, go to college, become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a nurse, a fireman, a teacher. And that's it. And that was (laughs) it. right? I, I didn't have the wherewithal to dream further than I could see. I didn't know that I could be a graphic designer, a novelist, a DJ, and I I didn't know I could do any of these things. So what does excellence look like to you all today? To be honest, I still get that lesson. Mm. 
you know, you go to high school, you graduate, and you become a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, something useful to society. Right. You get a good paying job, you get married, get you have some job. kids, and you teach them the same lesson. Yeah. I get that too. I wanted to be a writer one time, and I came home to my dad. I love my father for all that he is, but he's an old soul. And he told me, why would you do something like basket weaving when you're so intelligent? And I was like shell-shocked because to mm-hmm. me, I was like, I was going to be an author out here. You know, I thought I was like, Really thinking of something I could do. And my mom had to remind me that, like, that's the only thing they know. You know, like, that's how you had to be successful. Like, we couldn't go out on a limb and try to be a tattoo artist. You couldn't do that. You couldn't do that and be black and try to survive. That's, that was impossible. Right. That was impossible. So you you can't blame people for being afraid to jump off the edge. Because sometimes black people don't get the opportunity yeah. To like fall and fumble and start back up again. You fall, you fumble, that's it. It's over. So I think parents are afraid to let you, to push you and let you fly. You know, they got to like walk you all the way there to keep the generations going and keep the community thriving. Yeah. So I would say the excellence is just trying to be better than the generation before you. Trying to be open to something new. Trying to have opportunities, trying to open doors, trying to break the glass ceiling. Because at the end of the day, that's all you can do. We don't know anything about their generations ahead of us, generations ahead of us, hundreds of years ahead of us. Like, our excellence has to be different. Yeah. For, uh, <clears throat> for me, I'm um, looking at it more from like a con- conceptual point. Excellence is is being a model for other people. Okay. The moment when people can look up to you and say, I want to be like him. That's that's what excellence is. Because, you know, I go to a school, you know, not highly ranked, not the best performance academically. And take a guy like me and, and all the other kids who go there who are like of the topper tier, who probably deserve to be going to better high schools, but, you know, they're, they're where they need to be. You look at destiny from, point, from that, that stance. Right. So you take these kids like me, these smart kids, and you put them, and you put them in front, and you put them in a classroom with all this other shenanigans going on—fights, drugs, mm-hmm. all these other bad things. Those kids, when, when those kids who are in the room and, and who are the top tier, that—that's what excellence looks like. Because when all those other kids outside and they're having, you know, not not getting the best grades, not doing all these, not getting all the best scores, when they look to those kids, those kids who are good and who are smart, they're looking up to them. And they're looking at, hey, what is he doing differently? What, what, what's, what's happening? You know, how is he or how is he or she succeeding? And side note, fact of the matter is in the black community, they don't always look them at like in that way. They say, well, why are you? Why, why he, he think he's better than everybody because he's smart? No, 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 But that is true. But mm-hmm. excellence is being that model and, and being the, 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 the something that people can look up to. And then the goal when you are an excellent person, the, the people who are in that room and, and, and Essentially, talking about the talented tenth of you, you understand that concept. But yeah. the people who are in that room, who have that role of being fortunate enough to to not have to deal with a lot of outside contributing circumstances, the role of those people is to get big, and get bigger and bigger and bigger, and to show the people around them what they can be. They can be more. They can do more than just College Park. They can do more than Atlanta. They can do more than Georgia. Hell, they can do more than even the United States. Right? They can do all of these great things beyond what they see. Right? And, and when they see that, hopefully that'll transfer over. Now, once again, fact of the matter is, it might not always happen. And so, but the challenge of all of this is, of, of this perspective, is that we don't want those people to get too big to where they feel like they don't want to come back to their community. 
or they can't come back and they never come back. You know, all these people who get big and they leave us, right? Just make all their money, live in Beverly Hills, call it, call it a day. And so the challenge becomes for, for excellence. And we say, what does it look like? It looks like being the model, showing people what can be done, taking that burden upon yourself, but not going too far to where you forget where you came from. You forget who was truly looking up to you. I would like to say that, like, sometimes we have to acknowledge that those kids that are quote-unquote bad at those kind of schools is really to no fault of their own, right? Like, you feel like you can strive for excellence and be an example for others because someone was an example for you. Yeah. And sometimes they go home and there's nobody there like that for them. And then they get 17 and they're like, well, F it. What am I like, supposed to do? How I'm supposed to start now? I don't know how you're doing that. Like, what mm-hmm. are you even? What are you even doing? Like, what you're doing? What we do makes no sense to them, and so I think it does come back to like coming back to your community and showing them, showing people who didn't get to see it. Yeah. This is what it looks like, yeah. and I can show you how, and not just being like, "Here, I got all this money, and look, I did it." But here's yeah. how I here's how yeah. I did it. Yeah. So what what we're doing right now in the moment may not matter, but it all comes down to can you come back and show them the results of your labor, the fruits of your labor. Can you come back and show them? And if you can't do that, then what's the point, right? Like, you're just going to be successful for yourself and then just have your tiny family and your seven people have this great life? No, spread the wealth. Be excellent. Hmm. What do you think is the key to being okay, being excellent? Um, I, mm, I had to accept every aspect of myself, I think. Um, because sometimes I go into white spaces and, um, which I can sometimes, you know, you sometimes think are like excellent spaces because I say this a lot. We sometimes think that excellence, intelligence belong to white people. Right. Associate those with the race. Right. Um, and I feel too black and I'm like, oh, I said that, or my hair wasn't slicked back that day. I should not have worn my hair out or I'm not finishing my sentences or my, my jeans are ripped. And then I'll go to black spaces and be like, I cannot go to an HBCU. They are too loud for me and they make fun of the way I talk. And, oh, my hair is too curly. And they ask me what I'm mixed with. And I think what I had to do was be like, I'm black, but I know proper English. Like, or the, I'm not say proper, but, you know, mostly spoken English, correct English, grammatically correct English, whatever you want to call it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also grew up near West End. And I got a black mama and my parents are from Beaumont, Texas, and they talk country. And I go home and talk country. And I think you have to be like, ex- excellence doesn't have to be a bubble either. Right. Like, nothing you are has to be this confined thing. I think that's the key, right? Like, you're like, I'm black. Okay, and that can be a whole bunch. But like, excellent, you got to be, a, you got to still be right here. You got to still be one thing. Right. I think just broadening everything. It's like the main objective, I think, that our generation is striving to do. Nothing is is binary or one way you can be on a spectrum of things and a yeah. a spectrum of a person a human being but yeah. you don't think there's a little danger in that and opening the bubble just too much and where people people start associating out and, I, and this is this is this is very touchy subject coming from like the the not not the opposing but the challenging view because right. then you t- attack anything about you don't really appreciate art or you don't really appreciate music but then we start people who who sort of when you open that bubble too much we don't want to make sure that the, we want to make sure that the standards don't get too low Right, where people don't feel as if people aren't pushing themselves as far as they can be. It's like, I'm on a spectrum, you know, I can just do what I want to do. And this is excellent that I'm just living out my life, making $25,000 a year, living in my house and doing my things, right? We, but we want those people to be pushing further and further and further, um, you know, in their life to, 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 to grow 
into into ensure like in, we can establish this notion, this whole notion of generational wealth. Well, let me clarify. Now, now that's not always accomplished. Go ahead, but that's not always accomplishable. I didn't mean the spectrum of I'm not excellence to um, to excellence. It's not what the spectrum I meant. Gotcha. The spectrum I meant was different forms of excellence. That excellence can look different ways. Like the question he asked about just being a doctor, or a teacher, or a lawyer, right? But excellence can also be like I play the violin. Yeah. And yeah. I and I do a damn good job playing the violin. Right. Yeah. You know that's excellent. She cursed know? on her own free will and accord. That wasn't. Me. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm also excellent. <laughs> you know, like I feel like that's that's what I mean on a spectrum. Yeah. Like just being how however authentically excellent. You can be. I yeah, think that's individually, it. right? Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so if you were to look at that question in just an individualized context, right. so not as a a race of people, mm -hmm. but just as a young black man or a young black woman in your current skin and current environment that you're in, what does that excellence look like for you specifically? Well, for me, it's it's, and when you when you metaphor here when you work a muscle <laughs> when, you, when you start to work out right you you know you do 10 push-ups blah, blah 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 you do 20 blah 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 but it's when you get to that you know upteenth push-up and when it starts to hurt that's when you know it starts to work when it's hurting that's when you know you're pushing yourself to the next level that's when you know you're actually training you're straining yourself and you're developing muscle right you're pushing yourself to the limit and so for me on a personal note what excellence means or it looks like is putting myself out there on the edge, doing everything I can to challenge myself. Pressure makes diamonds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So as we talk about excellence, and, and Peyton, you mentioned earlier um, not telling your friends what you were doing, right? Not letting them know you were in this program that was associated with excellence. So when you go back and you think about that moment, what do you think has to happen so that your peers begin to believe something differently about themselves, which mm -hmm. then makes it which then makes it easier for you to be yourself around them. I think that they have to accept like the spectrum of excellence that I was talking about. Right. Because I got jealousy from a friend of mine and she is this wonderful artist. Like she's literally so good and she like had her photos up in the, you know, Museum of Art or whatever. And she was, you know, just had a little animosity towards me for being in that program, right? Because I had Harvard in the title. Right. And I wanted to be like, I can't draw for nothing. Like, I think... Right, we're we, both excellent. Right, we're mm. both excellent. And you can accept that. And if and one of my friends has always been like, her whole thing is like, I don't really care about school. I'm not going to college. And I can just, you know, do whatever. And life can float by. She's always been very satisfied with that. But the moment, even now, the moment that we're getting college acceptances and she's not because she didn't choose to apply, mm -hmm. now she kind of feels a little... Something she puts a little something on her shoulder, yeah. you know about about that, and I think that we have to like accept who we are completely first. Right, like your journey is not my journey, and that doesn't make you any less black, doesn't make you any less excellent, doesn't make you any less of a teenager. I think we just have to be happier, but I feel like that's just a societal thing. Yeah, I don't know how really black that is. Yeah, um, it's just a teenager thing, trying to fit in, trying to fit in a box that you're never gonna fit in. And then being mad when you see your friend look like they're fitting in the box, even though I'm not either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Xavier, I've got a different question for you, man. Because earlier you, I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to ask the question this way. So what do you think your generation can be doing to remind the rest of the world that you're not just ready for the future, but that you actually are the future? 
Well, I think it starts it starts with ourselves and starts on the inside again. The future belongs to those who prepare for today. We can say that we are the future all day. We are up next. We're not up. We are up next. I mean, we're up now. We're not up next. We can say it all day. But we have to prepare for it, right? And so what our generation can be doing ourselves is, I think, a little bit of post-pain. I think we need a little bit of that animosity. We need a little bit of that jealousy. Stick with me here. Because when the, the most satisfying moment... Which, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> the most satisfying moment for me in class or any setting is when I use a piece of language or reference a piece of work and people are like, well, I can do better than that. Or I can do this. Or I can, I can use this word, right? And so it's, it, and it, it's, in, it's in a friendly manner because when I raise a bar myself, so if everybody starts raising a bar, when I raise a bar myself and the other people try and jump up above that bar and that happens over and over and over again, look what's happening. Everybody's learning new words. Everybody's learning new things. Everybody is trying to write at a higher level, right? And so as a generation, what we do is that Someone sets the bar higher. That one kid was like, oh, all these great things. He sets the bar higher, and then everyone else will follow him. Now, challenge is, wait, challenge is, not everybody's <gasps> going to follow. Not everybody's going to follow, and not everybody's going to have yep. the energy to do so. Right. And so I think that um, then the, the, it becomes the burden upon the person who set the bar so high to reach back down and grab the people beneath, not even beneath, grab the people who, who aren't on that, on that same level yet, pull them up. Pull them up, pull them to your level, and so and so and so. And back to what we do as a generation, we someone sets the bar. A few of us set the bar high, but don't just stay there and sit up there and talk down to everybody. Hey, I'm better. You know, reach down, pull them up, and then we start doing that over and over and over again. But at what and point, I think it can have a positive impact. But at impact. what point can I not? Can I stop doing that? If I'm reaching, why down, would you stop? I, you just listen, gave listen, mention listen, to listen, how listen, you don't want to do enough. If I'm if I'm reaching back and I'm pulling somebody up. And in my effort to do that, they're trying to pull me back down with them. That's called life. So what? 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 what but happened? when does what my responsibility learn? stop? You. What do you mean? When does your responsibility if, stop? If we are a community that is centered down, around growing. You cannot save everybody. Like, break, break down. Yes. Well, well, break down the word response. Do you realize what you just said? about you can't save everybody. You think we can save every single person? We can try. Yeah, I'm with you. We're gonna reach back and we can pull them up by that bootstraps, and it's gonna be great, and that's great. But you cannot save everybody, not at the expense of yourself. How can I get up there to open the door that, if you try to pull you, me back down every single yourself. time? You got to stop thinking about yourself as one individual person. This, this, okay, this is about more than just you or I. This can is you about save everybody? Our, yes or no? Yes. You can save everybody. Yes, in okay. their own. You, okay, well, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna use your logic. You say you can be on the spectrum. Saving doesn't have to be everybody the same. You can put everybody in a better position than they won before if we tried. When we talk about... If they don't want to go, they're not going. That's just period. It's not about whether or not they want to go. It's whether or not you... Look, we learn this in class. We, we, you can learn everything in the world. You can have all the tools in the world. But if you do not want to use them, that's on you. Our job okay. is our... Wait, wait, no, no, no. You're talking about saving okay. people. Our job is to give... Is, is to equip everyone with the tools that they can use to grow. I agree. Whether or not they use it or not is not on us. Okay, that's all I'm saying. So so you you, so you all had different definitions yeah, of what of saving, saving means. That, yeah, yeah. Something we yeah. Yes. problem in debate. Consensus. We all got to define yeah. words first because <laughs> then we get arguments like this. All right, so a question for both of you. All right, at your age, at any age, but at your age, parents apply as well. People have constant expectations of you: mentors, parents, teachers, friends. Every level has an expectation of you. At the same time, you all have expectations of yourself. 
How do you manage all of that? I have really bad anxiety. And I think some of that's caused by that. Mm. I used to have this, yeah. I used to have this really bad, like real super bad fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And I would literally get physically ill on the way to debate tournaments and to heart practices because I was afraid someone would say that I did a bad job or that I'd lose a round. And at the end of the day, that's the only way you can grow, right? Mm-hmm. And I used to be afraid to say no to people or to even say yes to opportunities because, like, what if they go wrong? What if I mess it up? What mm-hmm. if they don't ask me again? What if they can't depend on me? And so I think I had to start taking a deep breath and being like, that's life. Yeah. And you're going to mess up. And you don't lose as long as you learn. You know, yeah. there is no failure. I think my mom, my mom used to have to tell me that all the time. Like, it's not the dog in the fight. It's the fight in the dog. Yeah. And you got to keep pushing through no matter what. Yeah. I think I can't handle every expectation. I can't. I'm 17. Yeah. And it stresses me out to have my own expectations that sometimes I don't meet. And so I think it's just doing the best you can and being absolutely okay with that. And I asked that question because if you knew the answer, I wanted to apply it to my life. <laughs> I think there is one. But is, I can think about passion and opportunity in this case. I'm going to bring it back to the expectation notion. But passion and opportunity. Um, you can be the best carpet installer installer in the world. Right. But there's no modicum for which you to install carpet. You're not going to make any money. Right? And so when it comes to life, your, your goal should be able to take opportunity and bring passion along with it. So say you like playing music and you don't feel like you can make a lot of money of it, find a career, do music lessons on the side. Start your own business. Start a music agency. Things like that. So taking, taking every opportunity but bringing passion alongside with you. And so we talk about expectations, your expectations versus other people's expectations. For me, and I guess I'm just more of a different person, I just try and merge them in together and, and, and find, yeah. that, find that place where I can satisfy and this goes back to the thing of you can you save everybody? I'm, I feel like I can help everybody and satisfy everybody. Find that space where you can fit in everybody else's expectations to help you grow. Like I'm working on a clash project now where we're doing a project for one group, right? And, and so it's going pretty well. We're almost done. And then note you comes along and says, hey, I want you to build an app for this company. I want you guys to build this prototype app. Common note say, I don't want to do that. That doesn't that, that do with my goals. That doesn't do with what I want to do. But let alone, we're sitting there thinking, hey, we can use this app to help our own project, right? So it's taking the expectation that other people give you, whether or not to be, if someone, okay, say you want to be, uh, um, you want to be a dancer, someone's telling you to be a lawyer. Lawyers read a lot. Lawyers read all day, every day, right? Use those skills, use those reading skills, learn a few dance lessons, right? Learn, learn some key fundamentals of dance. There's something you can learn about dancing from reading, you know, and, and that situation applies to so many other areas. So for me, it's just finding the things within other people's expectations and trying to use them to bolster yours, but always keeping yours sort of on top. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So we're at the end of time, and I want to ask one last question that we use to close out. We have the best of intentions. Well, I assume we have the best of intentions because I know everyone doesn't. But in that, we, we absolutely fail and we miss. And whether ego will let us admit it, we do. So right now in this moment of freedom to say what it is that you want to say, what would each of you say to black adult America? In the context of failure or? In whatever context it is that they want to say. I'm going to take the contents of context of prosperity. Okay. And so essentially my message to, to all of black adult America is I want you to think 20 years in advance what can you do to ensure that I have 
a strong foundation beneath me. And in terms of prosperity, I want to really take the path of generational wealth. And my message is, you have to make a sacrifice for tomorrow. Mm. You have to do some things today that may seem a little hard, that may seem challenging, that may make you want to have to get off the couch and you know, not watch Love and Hip Hop for a day. But in the end, Fame's <laughs> over here laughing. In the end, it will help us in the long run. Because when you put in that extra hour of work, when you, when you start thinking about 20 years in the future, setting a few dollars aside, making, making sure that we have a strong foundation beneath us, I think that's what makes, that's what I sort of look forward to the most in the future. It's having something to stand upon, stand atop. Mm. And if a black adult American can create that, I think I'd be very proud. I would say... <laughs> This <laughs> yeah, is what you what you don't realize. It's late as hell for yeah. us right, right. now. <laughs> like in the middle of the week. It, we got not, these not young adults. Monday night. night. Matter of fact, this is probably one of our longest episodes too. <laughs> right. Or our latest episodes. Um, I would. <laughs> I would crazy. say, thank you for setting us up with the privilege and opportunity to exist in the spaces that we do, and that I am very sorry if we don't live up to the expectations that you would like us to live up to. But I ask that you allow us the room and the space and the comfort and the openness to achieve what we think is excellence and to do what we think is best based on what you've taught us. Wow. That was pretty damn good. All right, brother, you got anything? Man? I got a lot, but uh, <laughs> in the sake of time, I'm going to try to wrap it up really quick. I think the the for our listeners, I think there there is a really distinct message around um, freedom and allowing. I would even come back to just saying, "Listen, yeah, that's um, my thing." It, it, sometimes we don't understand the amount of knowledge and the amount of of things that are happening within the environment of our young people and we don't give them the space to allow them to tell us what's happening so that we can actually be a catalyst to help one reduce the amount of anxiety that's in the world because we we should be doing a far greater job at reducing the anxiety that our young people are going through um and then two pay it so listen and then pay attention um and be more supportive of not just your sons or daughters or cousins or or whatever, but think about us as a community. Um, it's important. Like, these young people are quite inspiring. And if you have not gotten a, a, a host of nuggets from them, you, you have got to be dead. Um, they are the future, and we have to do a better job in protecting what we build for them to begin to build upon, too. Yeah, yeah. And all I got is, like, it really does take a village. So be an active participant in the village. And Art said it best to me. This is really about listening. So when you're talking to your children or to anyone's children, I think we owe it to them and to ourselves and to our ancestors because we are the people that they dreamed of to listen and both hear and figure out how you can truly support the children around you and the community around you. And that's really all I got. So, Wild Black, we out. Peace. Peace.
What's up, world? It's your boy, Big Court, from the Holding Court Podcast. If you're a fan of authentic interviews with legendary artists and notable people in the culture, subscribe to the Holding Court Podcast. See, we a show that cover artist interviews, hip-hop culture, lifestyle, and current topics. Huh. We got the D-Boys and the B-Boys. See, HCP is where the streets and black excellence meet. And it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators.